When it's time for lunch, you can pick up a spoon or grab your fork body and dig into a Nuna. It's Nuna with Dan and Marty. If you never had a Nuna, well, there's no sooner way. Just bend over at the middle in the middle of the day. It's a Nuna. It's a Nuna with Marty and Dan. Will. Uh, that, that last word was supposed to be Will. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Smodco morning show on the Smodco Internet Radio Network. I don't know why I said Smodco twice. Um, we had some last-minute changes, some last-minute tef- technical difficulties, some speaking difficulties, uh, but we were saved doubly by our esteemed uh, guest Merp, Will Wilkins. Oh, I'm a guest. I'm a Merp. I'm a guest Merp. You, you're a guest Merp. You're a Merp. You're I'll a take Merp. it. Yeah. I, I like yeah. being a Merp. Uh, Cassandra was sick. Mickey was sick. Kruger had a meeting. Grayson was going to join us, but he bailed at the last minute. Everybody is terrible except for Will Wilkins. Well, no, 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 no. That's not true. Everyone's not feeling well except for Will Wilkins. There's a little bit of a difference. Ah, I think. I mean, you know, it's uh, the whole point is I don't want to dump anybody. Look, man, look, people could be here. They couldn't be here. Doesn't matter. As always, Marty, you're the consummate professional. This show must go on. I have dogs barking in the background. I don't know how professional I am. That's that's uh, perfectly suitable and expected on the Smodco Podcast Network. Yes, uh, Smodco. It's a podcast network. It's not a radio. I guess it's not a radio network, is it? Not really. Uh, well, I mean, it's just it's like I, it, look. I don't think there's any one thing that can really because technically speaking, it's really just. I think the best way to put it is just it's the the Smodco network because it's just this big oh, integrated it's, it's, thing it's of everything network yeah it's pretty much network. there you go the smodco media network how many um because i know everything podcasts? everything i'm involved in is is like streaming media so yeah uh how many um, podcasts are there now yeah yeah uh six of kevin's nine ten of the others and uh have we cracked the top 16 yeah definitely most oh, certainly oh yeah wow Awesome. Uh, if you want to join in on the, on the conversation, you can join us as it did Steve and Tyson and Evan of Roseville, California and um, Senior Smoke. And that's uh, at Twitter. And you can tweet at us at uh, Nooner Podcast. Email us at NoonerPodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow along on the uh, Tumblr, which is uh, NoonerPodcast.com. Thank you, Tyson and uh, Darren, for maintaining that. Um, Amen. On, you know, nobody likes to talk. <laughs> it was very funny. We actually, uh, we did pre-record one, uh, one for the holidays over the weekend. And the one caveat was uh, nobody wanted to talk politics. Oh, wow. Then, was it a yes. five-minute podcast? or uh, Seriously, yeah. <laughs> and then as soon as the mics went off, both uh, Cassandra and Kruger just went off on politics for like the next hour, you know, <laughs> and I was like, okay, leave my house. We were done talking and uh, I should have just kept the mics rolling, but um, it was a lot of fun. You can look forward to that towards uh, the year's end. And, uh, but it being year's end and the government per the uh, president's promise gave us a, a great gift per Christmas gift. And, and late, late on Friday night, actually it was 2 a.m. on Saturday, the Senate passed their version of a tax bill. Um, ain't, ain't, nothing ha- ain't nothing never happened at night that was good after 10, a- 10 p.m. Yes, unless it was uh, 
in the bed. Uh, oh, there you go. I didn't. I never thought of that one. Shoot. <laughs> or driving down a car, driving down the highway with a you know an eighteen pack next to you. Amen. Uh, and no, uh, that's a bad thing. Never as mind. Well. Yes. Uh, so the promise was that there would be huge middle class um, tax cuts and. Uh, in fact, that's not what happened by every measure, except for the people who voted for it. Every every uh, economist out there has um, basically confirmed that uh, this will result in uh, anywhere from uh, like I don't know some hundreds of thousands of uh, hundreds of millions of I'm sorry hundreds of billions of dollars that middle class taxpayers will have to pay. Uh, in seven years, you know, basically they get a, an early, a, a very a small break, but then all those uh, cuts expire and then they end up paying more. Well, the richest uh, and the rich and the corporate uh, taxpayers will get a permanent tax cut uh, that will ultimately result in what they think is as much as a one and a half to two trillion dollar deficit. Is that does that sound uh, is that basically what you heard? Well. I, I heard a lot of big numbers that were eventually going to hit pig people in a very negative fashion, whether it would be immediately or in the long term. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you, you, you seem to hit on all the major points. In, in other words, it didn't deliver on any of the items that, uh, for example, this is the uh, this is the the Senate trying to pass their bill, supposedly pushing the president's agenda because, uh, you know, like even recently with the whole thing with Roy Moore yesterday, Trump endorsed him. Uh, and then because the Republican national committee says that the president, uh, they pushed the president's agenda, he backed them. So they're giving money to Roy Moore's campaign now. So, so in that theory, then, uh, all of this is driven as the president's agenda. He went on the campaign trail. He promised that he would cut taxes to basically benefit if we want to look at who it's supposed to be it's supposed to be for the forgotten man and woman right it's supposed to be like a middle joe america is supposed to benefit from this and unless you are in a very specific tax bracket immediately you're not going to see any effects the thing that amazes this me about this whole thing i think is that uh with all of this negative press around it. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed at, I want to say the way it seems like the Republicans are almost enabled in a way, but, uh, I, I don't know the right way to say it. Cause when it all boils down to it, the one thing that I think is blatantly clear in my anal, my analysis of this, and this is just my opinion. Uh, and that's that it's, it, it's surprising to me that they are so blatant about the fact that this is essentially rich people lobbying to get to keep their money and now the lawmakers of our country who I, I'm assuming also would fit into the higher tax brackets uh, will also be benefiting from it as well. Most certainly the president of the United States at this moment would benefit from these tax laws. Not according to him. According to him, his accountants are mad at him. Oh, they're so mad. Oh, they just want to strike I, him. I, oh. I, I, I don't think there's any point or any benefit in any way for discussing any of the things uh, said by the president in reference yeah. to like his, you know, so I don't, I don't, I don't lend any credence there. Well, um, the, the other <laughs> thing that they've mentioned is that, uh, so the, the, Tax rate for corporations will go from 35 to 20 percent. 
Um, but already they pay around 18% based because of uh, a, a, what they call an effective tax rate because of loopholes and various uh, accounting right, sort of, um, uh, you know, gymnastics that uh, get them to pay less, fewer taxes. So one thing they said is, okay, well, we're going to reduce the, the overall tax rate and then close those loopholes. But they've lowered the tax rate without closing the loopholes. And then there's also the estate tax, which is, means that those uh, couples with over $22 million or single people with over $11 million, uh, their beneficiaries when they die don't have to pay taxes uh, on that mon- on the money beyond uh, uh, below that amount. So that means th- that affects 0.2% of the population or something like that. Well, uh, uh, but hold on, Marty. Let's Let's remember something, okay? Unless, and correct me if I'm wrong here. So this is the way I kind of break down the two political parties, okay? Uh, It seems like uh, the Democrats have a general approach, and that approach is that uh, uh, it's basically the good of the many outweighs the needs of the few. So uh, if I am an extremely rich person, I should I should feel more emboldened to be sharing more of my money to help everyone. Uh, hmm. And and then from well, I mean, like uh, technically speaking, they want to benefit everybody, right? Uh, a rising tide lifts all ships. So if everyone pays their fair share, uh, then everyone is also able to get helped out. The government's able to help support people. Uh, I don't know that I would call like uh, Medicare an entitlement or Social Security an entitlement, but you know. Eh. So, you know, we pay into these entitlements, we get from these entitlements, we we get help from uh, taxing the rich to help benefit the poor, uh, whereas the Republican side of it is uh, everyone needs to work for what they have. And I'm sorry, what, how did Donald Trump work for that first billion dollars that he inherited? Neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. That, I'm, I'm sorry. That was stupid of me. It doesn't matter how you get the money. Marty, it's the it's a matter of keeping well, it what you get it, and believe me, I I can understand how if you got it through entitlements, you know, through government welfare, like that's bad. That's bad that J.K. Rowling, you know, uh, was sitting in a coffee shop writing a novel while she was on the government dole, you know. Well, I'm sure that wasn't all she was doing, right? She wasn't just on the dole. She was also, well, but then again, you know, look at hey, hey look at what she did with that opportunity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> billion dollar empire like not to mention what what here and you know if if you really want to look at it that way then too what other good things has she also done with that money you know uh so so it it, there are look there are ways to look at it i any other way and and clearly it's just where you're aligned the thing that terrifies me the most i think in this day and age marty and then i'll let you get back to your point i'm sorry this is the problem when you have a podcast host on as a guest they take over you have good points you can't you can't let them do that I think the part that upsets me the most, though, is is the fact that we are, uh, and we probably already ha- always have been in areas I'm not exposed to. Because let's face it, I'm a city boy. I'm very liberal. Because because that's what happens. We're in the major population area, so I accept that. Which I, most Americans are. I'm not rural, middle American, or or whatever they call it. I'm not I'm not agricultural. I'm not uh, manual laboring. I'm not doing any of those things. I'm not in middle America. But I think the thing that troubles me the most, there's, it's a twofold. The one is the way that we, as a people, 
uh, as Americans in the American society now, what I'm seeing is this extreme classist, uh, uh, not even classist, but classification and, and, and quite honestly now prejudice over political party. I mean, it just, it, I don't want any, and nobody should lump all Democrats into this. Nobody should lump all Republicans into that. You know, if you speak in totalities, you're never going to, to learn and you're never going to, to go beyond that, which is, is very limited. So if, uh, you know, like, uh, I, we saw the Kimmel thing. This is where most of this came from when, uh, Jake Bird was sent to a Roy Moore, uh, uh like, uh, event. And one of the people said they'd basically rather have a child molester in there than a Democrat. So a Democrat is more despised. So, so political parties shouldn't be about, uh, Just, prejudice. To be clear, that's uh, Jimmy Kimmel did a bit where yeah. uh, he, one of his writers, Tony Barbieri, has a, a character named Jake Bird and sent him to a Roy Moore rally. Yeah. Where he basically does this amazing thing where he celebrates all the faults of like the, the people that he's making fun of while pretending to be their number one fan, whether it be Michael Jackson, uh, Donald Trump, or in this case, it was Roy Moore. And, and he, he is he, so hilariously funny so they they used to do morning radio here in la oh really uh, yeah and uh tony tony used to have this character called mole who was just so funny if you've ever seen windy city heat uh the bobcat goldthwait I, I wish i had but i hadn't which by the way if you guys aren't aware of that movie this is a fantastic concept because basically it's jimmy kimmel pranking uh this old yeah. friend friend of theirs that it's really hard to watch actually it is so funny it's the hardest i've ever laughed but it's also relentlessly cruel and uh -huh. uh, jimmy kimmel produced it, it and jimmy kimmel basically had, had been pranking this guy for a, 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 over a decade mm -hmm. like setting up fake auditions for for a fake movie that he was uh, pretending to get made and then they actually made this fake movie called windy city heat um it, it's it's i don't want to say any more than that but anyhow that's the sort of so Tony Barbieri is great at doing pranks and he's so freaking funny. He really is because he doesn't he doesn't he never drops character and he's always the biggest supporter and the biggest apologist. So it's just like right. hey, you know ah so you know he's a man's man, okay? <laughs> right. You know, it's it's oh, great. Anyway, so in a lot of that I, I saw that and I'm amazed that that we can be just as charged politically it seems as we are racially. Uh, that's the one point that upsets me. And I think the other point that upsets me, too, is all of the politicians in Congress, not necessarily the Democrats or the Republicans or the independents, but it's all of them because it, it's it seems like somehow it is more about party lines instead of what they are supposed to be, which I'd like to remind them all, even though they're not listening. It's called the House of Representatives for a reason. You were well, elected. You were elected to represent the people. And, and this brings me back to, to my overall point for this, this particular rant. I'll, I'll wrap it up quickly. But uh, basically, the Republicans are saying, okay, yes, uh, if you just look at the bare numbers, uh, the deficit will increase by uh, several hundred million dollars, billion dollars. Uh, but because the, that money will be in the hands of corporations, they're going to hire more people, they're going to invest more in the country, and we're going to have a huge economic stimulus. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if you remember, but uh, President Trump on the campaign trail was promising 4% growth. 
Uh, right now we're at like two, two and a half percent, something like that, uh, which is sounds small. Um, but basically, since World War II, we've had like three percent economic growth, which sounds great, and it's what we're used to. It's what we expect. But that is anomalous. If you look throughout history, and I, we might have talked about this one before on the air, but uh, over for the, the centuries before that, we, we would have minuscule growth of maybe you know a tenth of a percent here and there just throughout the world. Uh, but it was only until like basically the 20th century where productivity just shot up and GDP in the U.S. just grew. And you know, there are a lot of different reasons for that. But I, I would say one of the biggest reasons is there's automation. And then you've got also uh, basically productivity increases when you have or your, your economy grows when you have a lot of productivity and labor available uh, and efficiencies. And those efficiencies came through machines and through also uh, fossil fuels. So being able to pull huge amounts of fossil fuels. Uh, allows you to be incredibly productive. We have all this plastic shit, and we can drive everywhere, we can fly everywhere. What they don't don't incorporate into that is all the the environmental costs of that, and what happens when that oil is gone, and then just the there are so many costs that they haven't weighed that we're going to end up having to pay, and we're going to see productivity slow down. Um, it's just unsustainable, and. Just three. Imagine everything growing three percent, three percent, three percent year after year. That that just it's an it's an unnatural way to measure the success of a society, in my opinion. Uh, but right now, the the stock market, because of this tax bill, is is uh, just doing gangbusters, and it's been doing really well ever since the two thousand eight recession. Well, and that, but that that's a key point that I that you mentioned that. Uh, and this is the frustrating thing. I, I've really got to say that I, I think everyone needs to step back and they need to look at lay, leveling the playing field. Uh, media, for example, uh, the news media has to take a new strategy because the one they're using, they can't deploy against the president right now. The president is saying the mainstream media is the enemy. The mainstream media isn't doing anything to help itself. They could keep, and let me explain why. They can keep the reporting completely the same, same way that they're doing it now, right? But what they need to do is they need to start hiding their bias a little more. Because, like, for right now, they will choose, if it's a representative of Trump, whether it's the FCC chairman, if it's Jeff Sessions, if it's Trump, if it's uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, it doesn't matter who it is. The media will always right now seem to pick, whenever I'm looking at these articles, the worst possible picture of these people. Right. So they're always in a, a bad pose. They're always it's always Trump's got his lips pursed out a little more like Alec Baldwin or uh, Pi has got his, his it's his mouth is open and he's more, it's more projected. FCC chairman. Yeah, it's more projected teeth or, you know, Jeff said, well, I don't know. I don't know that there's ever a good picture of Jeff Sessions, but uh, at least, well, maybe if he were inside the workshop making toys, then it would be a good picture of him. But uh, uh, I was wait, I was going to say Keebler something or other, but otherwise, it's just fine. It is the season and all. So if they would do that, I think that would that would help a little bit because they've got good information in their articles, but people may see the image and just not look at it at all. Not not that they would anyway, because right now things are so divided politically still. Um, 
well, but but still, it it the media really needs to do something because, like, when you mentioned the economic growth, you mentioned it's been it's been on an uptick ever since two thousand eight. But what they'll show, uh, meaning they meaning, let's say the White House, the executive branch will put out information, uh, or the president will treat tweet a graph, and it'll show that since the election, all this climbing up. But it actually, it's just a tiny cross section because if you pull that whole view out, like you said, from two thousand eight, you pretty much see a climbing tick up that's been going since then. So it's just riding a natural wave. Nothing Trump has really done contributes to that. Uh, the other thing too, you notice, uh, on, in the, uh, on the campaign trail, uh, a lot of his rhetoric was built around, uh, horrible trade deals and trade deficits. And it turns out now here we are near the end of his first year. And I think our trade deficit, uh, increased in some places. Yeah. See that, that's the, the, thing that I wanted to mention is that this whole tax, uh, this whole economic uh, stimulus thing is a canard that I don't think anybody actually believes it or it's something that to sell the American people, something to sell the bill. It's, uh, it's, but but it, I, it's a version of trickle down and trickle down has never worked. It doesn't work. I mean, look, let me put it this way. Okay. Marty, you're doing your, you're walking down the street, right? And I say, Hey Marty, just for being cool, here's a hundred bucks. Right? I gave you $100. Instantly you think, wow, you know what? I'm going to take 90 of this dollars. I'm going to put it to use, but I'm going to spend this, spend $10 out of this hundred and I'm going to give it to my friends. Or, you know, I'm going to give, I'm going to give $40 of this money to my friends, 60 in my pocket. Cause that's what I do. Right? And that's what major corporations do, right? When they make lots of money, it, it goes to their workers, right? It doesn't go to the shareholders or the executives or anything else. No, no, no. They, they spread it around the employees, right? So, so if the corporation isn't paying lots of taxes, then naturally they're going to give me a, a bigger bonus and they're going to give me a higher salary, right? That's the way it works, isn't it? Uh, no, it's not. I, I mean, didn't think so. These corporations have all admitted that they're, that they are going if they have more money in the pocket in their pockets they're not going to pay their their workers more they're not going to hire more people they're they have an obligation to their share, shareholders to to maximize profit so that's what they're going to do and then so that gets paid in dividends it doesn't make more mean more um uh, more jobs or or any economic stimulus um but interestingly so uh mike lee who's a uh i think he's senator from no, no, uh, from Utah. No, actually, it was a, a representative from Utah who was interviewed about it. And uh, basically, regarding the deficit, he, he basically admitted that, like, if the deficit happens and that the tax uh, revenues don't go up, they're going to have to cut smaller, they're going to have to cut uh, basically Medicare and, and other government um, subsidies. And basically, he said, what's wrong with that? So that's the core of the issue, I think, is that the, the, um, Paul Ryan's of the crunch country, it's part of a greater scheme to, to shrink government and to, to make um, government less valuable, less important, less influential. Uh, and so they're fine with, with more because basically it, once the deficit increases, then they'll, they'll come back to the American people and say like, listen, you know, clearly big government is failing. We got to shrink it. So this is all part of a bigger plan and you're going to see it happen. And, uh, it basically it's slowly going to happen unless we, you know, we can vote people out. So that's, that's something that's going to happen. And this comes back to a rallying cry. I've been saying for two years or for two decades, but I'm certain to dial back on the rhetoric because 
sometimes it's like careful what you wish yeah. for because I've always wanted somebody to go in and be like independent of the political system to go in and just shake things up. And then it's like, oh, careful what you wish for because I got it. Uh, I used to always say vote out all incumbents, but now not so sure about that. Yeah. Uh, maybe the right. I don't know, though. Look, I, I'm one of the people that firmly believes that there there should be no such thing as a career politician. There shouldn't be. Yeah. If they, every, everyone had term limits, you know, three terms and, you know, for uh, representatives and, and two terms for senators, I think that'd be great. You know, I think and, it would be more in line with probably some of the some of the things originally conceptualized by our forefathers, because we we've gotten into this point now where the the system has taken on a life of its own and and it can be corrupted and manipulated. And if you have look right now, we've got a major problem. Uh, we've got many problems, but one of the major problems we have is that the current administration is undoing a lot of the work of the pre previous administrations. That sends a bad message to the rest of the world because that means they feel that their negotiating power with America is only going to be good for uh, every two years because that's how effective a president is before they start campaigning. So we've got that issue already. Um, but if if we take that aside and we have term limits everywhere, then we're able to cut back that that uh, that influence by special interests and everything else. So you don't have to worry about... Uh, you know, your, your person getting in and then being able to write, because once a person is elected, it's actually very hard to get them unelected because we're creatures of habit. So, you know, un unless we do something to affect change and, and take people out of office and put the people in office that do truly represent us, uh, nothing's going to change. You're not happy with Diane Feinstein. Well, then, you know, another Democrat has got to run against her. Uh, you're not happy with, with Mitch McConnell. Well, you'll need another Republican to go up against him. I understand it's a complex system, but we really do need to take, I hate to say, sound like uh, draining the swamp, but it's true in some ways. We do. We need to get the corporate influence out. But, I, you know, what? look, when it comes to the taxes and everything else, I, I kind of get it because rich people want to hold on to their money. So yeah. I, I kind of understand the concept. This is all part of this sort of um, uh, Ayn Randian type of view of politics. Just gov starve government, shrink it, and and this is the first step in in it. And you're going to see entitlements shrink uh, unless we do something about it. So, by the way, that, that uh, is Darren Husted on Twitter says all senators are in the one percent. The median income of a senator in the 113th Congress is one million three hundred eighty nine thousand. Puts you in the top one percent. Hmm. Yeah, so three hundred eighty-nine thousand. He's talking about in the U.S. That mm -hmm. puts you in the top one percent, which is, uh, a, you know, I think that, that that's a shitload of money. That's a lot more money than I make, but it, it's. I think that seems. I mean, that's that doesn't seem crazy, like a sh crazy amount of money, but still, that's the top one percent. That means ninety-nine percent make less than that, uh, and I think like three percent is like. Two hundred and like two hundred thousand dollars is like three or four percent. Uh, well, you know, so that that's like really that means that ninety eight percent of or whatever ninety five percent of the population make under two hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it's just this exponential curve, and so yeah, it's it's bad, and it, it's democracy is definitely skewed towards the rich, and we're seeing that happen in the FCC, but. Well, you know, it, it, but Marty, it's understandable because yeah, most of the rich, 
get to continue their riches off of the back of those that need to work anyway. Right. Which is, which is the whole point of, um, of having good, good public, um, structures in, in place like schools and healthcare so that everybody has an even, uh, playing field. And then, you know, the rich are always going to have an advantage, but at least the, those who are dis- less advantaged can at least, uh, have the same educational and health and, uh, be, be able to drive on the same roads as the, the rich do. Yeah. Um, it, it, and it's a no win scenario too, because even if we, want to say things like, well, you know, cause like, look at the, look at the president. He comes into office and part of the reason why he's able to collect, get elected is cause he's going to, he's going to bring the trade jobs back. He's going to reopen the coal mines, going to reopen the steel mills. He's going to do all these things. And realistically speaking, America, it's very hard for us to compete in that realm. Uh, you know, what would be more beneficial? Would it be trying to reopen those things or would it be about programs that could help reeducate these people towards other employment so that way they they have they're more employable and they're not just stuck in this this trade but then again that gets into the whole democratic philosophy of of trying to help and give programs you know don't forget republicans they don't want a woman to have an abortion but they also don't want to support any programs to help out children so i you know there's clearly a, a political disconnect yeah well i think Yes. Um, on the happier side of things, we're 10 days away from Star Wars The Last Jedi. That's a uh, that's not a huge U-turn. I don't know what is. Technically, um, I think we're nine days away because really nine, it's the 14th, right? <laughs> nine days, 14 hours, eight minutes and 24 seconds, according to how many days until StarWars.com. Sponsor the show. No, not really. Nope. Um, what? Uh, how excited are you about this? I don't know. I really don't know. I know I was, uh, because I'm one of those people that, that was thrilled about the original trilogy. I was extremely let down by the prequels naturally. Uh, so I went into the force of awakens with a sense of trepidation and I, it, it, it far exceeded what I was expecting. So I, I was really happy about that. So when it comes to the last Jedi, I am, I, I, I am, I guess I would say I am I'm eagerly anticipating it. However, or more to the point, it is one of the few movies that I will go out of my way to try and see on Thursday night when it opens. Ah, well, good luck with that. Yeah. Um, uh, the yeah the the Force Awakens was very much a um, a sort of uh, a nostalgic look at the franchise in the way that Stranger Things was a nostalgic look at the 80s. It's like, you know, it's a decent story, but then you get all these little tropes and teases of, you know, you get to see the Millennium Falcon, you get to see all these uh, little little uh, moments in, of, of comedy and tone that, that call back to the, the uh, original 4, 5, and 6. So in that way, it sort of, uh, it was fun to see but as a story, it wasn't fully satisfying. But it sort of set up it set up a world, uh, and, and sort of erased the the horror of the first three, um, one, two, and three. So it makes me excited to see uh, the Last Jedi. But I'm still, like you said, I, I have my reservations. Um, Ryan Johnson is a great director. Um, and he sounds like a, a, a fun guy who really. Um, has love for the source material. Um, and, uh, there's going to, there's finally going to be an Asian person in, in, uh, a far, far away galaxy. Uh, dude, a long, long time ago. You know, I don't mean to, to try and school you, but there already was in, uh, 
Rogue One. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's true. Of course, he had to be the blind guy, though, right? The blind uh, mystic. Well, no, his buddy too. His buddy was. Ah, there. good but, point. Good point. But but you know what? Not canon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. I know it's it in is. a movie. It says it's a Star Wars story. Yeah, uh, but it's it's not part of the main story. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see where this goes. You know, there were certain things I think in the Force Awakens that that I think could have. They would have been a better story if they had just held certain elements. Like there was no reason really to get into uh, Kylo Ren being Ben Solo, spoiler, until uh, I think later in the film the way they did it. It could have been revealed where it was a little more shocking. Instead, it was just kind of like matter of fact. Uh, right. I don't think we really needed to have this mystery of of who Ray is and where she comes from and who her parents are. Uh, because it's it's clearly something that's just being added in to be exactly that. It's being added. It's added in to create a mystery. It, I don't think it it it. Uh, yeah, it, it, one doesn't, of the greatest, it doesn't support one, the story at all. Is what I'm saying. One of the greatest uh, reveals was when Darth Vader uh, revealed to was revealed to be uh, Luke's father because that truly was not anything that was teased. It came out of nowhere. I, I hate to be, I hate to be the guy to uh, to quote Quint Kimmel twice here because uh, I'm not trying to push uh, Jimmy Kimmel live at all. But the other day he had the Star Wars cast on and Hamill's shared a story I had never heard of before. Yeah, uh, yeah where, everyone should just watch it. It's it, it's yeah, it's it is. So right. if you can go out and find this clip, it's it's a great story Hamill tells about that scene. So yeah. the filming so, of it. Basically, the script said uh, one thing. Nobody on set knew what it was. And yeah, then, and then you get to see Hamill do his his Harrison Ford, which, which is, is always awesome. always great. <laughs> so I am I am really looking forward to it. I definitely will see it Thursday night. I did that with Guardians of the Galaxy. I did that with Spider Man this year, and I'll I'll do it with uh with uh I'll definitely do it with the Last Jedi. Also, because I think that um, Ryan Johnson, he's probably the person I I, I would have tapped to to do the entire thing if it hadn't have been abrams for the first one uh because uh his mo- brick uh looper all his movies are really good and if you he i think he directed two of some of or two or three of the best breaking bad episodes ever oh uh, I, I didn't see them he did uh, one of them actually was the uh the it wasn't the penultimate one but it was like the third to last uh Asmandius, uh, so like the fall of the great king, or anyway, yeah, uh, he directed him, and he's just he's he's great visually. So I I think we're covered there, and he's great with dialogue. Like he's he's just a, he's a really and he's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's we're we're lucky to have him uh, making good movies. The whole point and, is I I think we're in good hands with Star Wars on yeah. him, which is good because they've given him the next trilogy, whatever that is. Oh yeah. Oh, you um, didn't hear that. This next Star Wars trilogy, yeah, I guess I, I, guess I re- saw that. But so, yeah, whatever uh, the next trilogy is going to be, it's going to be from the mind of Ryan Johnson. But J.J. Abrams is is uh, working. He's going to be directing Episode Nine, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess he's prepping that. But he's also um, going to start a, a a writers' room where Quentin Tarantino is uh, pitching his. Late the the next Star Trek movie. I saw that on uh, Twitter somewhere. Yeah, and it, it's uh, apparently it's it's happening. So uh, Tarantino has always has been on record as being a big Star Trek fan over Star Wars, uh, but he 
yeah, and he's talked about basically what he would want to um, adapt and or what what sort of story he would want to do from from the TV series. But what do you what do you think of that? Do you think it's just going to be like like just like these long dialogue scenes of tension and tension and tension, and then just like uh, Hitler gets blown up or something like that? I got to be honest, man. I have not. Uh, I haven't. I haven't watched a Tarantino. I haven't seen a Tarantino movie in a long time. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see Jackie Brown. I didn't see uh, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, so you're not a fan? I didn't see Django Unchained. It's um, not that I'm not a fan. I just I haven't seen them. I never got to them. Kind of thing. Well, if you if you saw the first his first few, there, there there's a lot of there's a lot of. Uh, a lot of common themes in them. Well, I and I, um, and I don't know what to think about that. Uh, only because, yeah, it would be kind of dialogue heavy. It's really not something we've seen from him in that genre. Uh, so, well, I, I don't think he would direct it. I, well, I imagine I, he would have somebody else direct it. And, I, I don't even know. I'd feel comfortable with him writing, to be honest. I, I just, I mean, it, look, I'm not saying it, it can't. You could be surprised by the things some people could do. I, I just wouldn't expect that. Plus, it's also hard for me to think about a Star Trek feature right now after we've been kind of given what I've uh, su been surprisingly enjoying in uh, Star Trek Discovery on the CBS oh, All you, Access you platform. Oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, uh, well, I already had a subscription because I watched Big Brother. Yes, I'll admit it. And um, and so when that rolled around, naturally, I'm just like, well, got to check it out. And I watched the first few, and, and so it, it grabbed me. And yeah, it, they've got a fun and interesting story to, that they've been telling there. And uh so it's kind of hard for me to think about anything feature-wise, not to mention uh, the last feature for Star Trek uh, that was co-written by Simon Pegg, I found yeah. to be one of the most enjoyable movie adaptations that they've done so far. I felt that that oh, one was more like an original Next Generation episode than anything else. It had a, a very well-structured story and everything all played out exactly. The same. It almost beat for beat plays like a very elongated episode. Well, I think that's basically what like all the TNG sh movies were. You know? um, but, I only like uh, one of those, to be yeah, honest. No, that's, I was not a huge, a huge fan. But uh, Tarantino has, in interviews, said that the obvious episode um, to adapt into a feature would be, and those are his words, um, is uh, The City on the Edge of Forever. I'm not sure if you remember that one. Are you kidding me? Written by Harlan Ellison featuring mm -hmm. Joan Collins? Mm -hmm. No, That's... I haven't never heard of it. Okay. Uh, but it's a, one of the time travel episodes where you get to see Spock in a stocking hat just to cover up his ears. Um, it, was, it was one of the... It, it wasn't just... Uh, I, I think it was the ultimate Star Trek episode. I think that one right there... Was, Hugo Award winning, I think. Yeah, and there's a reason why. Because it's an amazing story. It brings in time travel. And it's that it, it presents that nightmare situation. I once wrote a, a, uh, a short story. And it was kind of inspired by that. And it was about, uh, a, a, of all stupid things, it was about a time traveler that has to go back. And, and he is ex essentially... Uh, what did they call uh, Light uh, House? I can't remember the character's name anymore. The real life guy, uh, but it was the second command of the Titanic. And the whole mm. thing is the the way I wrote the story. You, it seems like what he is trying to do is he has to prevent the Titanic from crashing into the iceberg. But in the end, that's not really what it, his whole point in being there is to make sure that it does hit it. 
And so that's the, the sort of... Uh, and that's kind of the crux the, of sitting on the niche forever. They've got to the let tri- Joan Collins the, the deny. Tri- yeah, well, um, yeah. And that's, uh, it's, I guess it's been around for 50 years. We can spoil the fuck Spoilers. out of it. Spoilers! <laughs> uh, yeah. Basically, she, um, when Bones saves her, uh, Hitler dies and then that causes a, a chain reaction that destroys the world. Um, and so they have to let her die so that Hitler dies. And which of course is why Tarantino would be an, interested in it because of his weird obsession with Hitler and, and, uh, black exploitation films. So I don't know how he, he can put those two together. I guess if you have time travel in the enterprise, you can do anything you want. So, uh, I, that's what we probably have to look forward to. Uh, in okay, now that I hear that information, I could kind of get behind it. But then again, it's like you know, it the story's already been told great once. You really want to do this again? Well, I'll bet a lot of uh, there are probably a uh, hundred thousand people who know that episode really well. And you think uh, you think that's at the point we're at? I, I believe it. I'm nearing 50, so it makes sense. Even half a million. Let's say <laughs> half a million. So half a million people who, who know that story and will gladly pay money to see it on the big screen with uh, Chris Pine. Speaking of Star Trek, I'm not going to give out the information because I don't know where it is. I stumbled across it on Twitter one day because of, of things that I watch. And it, it turns out, I wasn't even aware of this, there is a fan-driven uh, project where they are, they're doing actual episodes of the five year mission. Other actors are playing the characters and I kid you not, it is terrifying the level that they've gone to reproduce it when they're on an away mission on a planet. It looks just like the way it did on the 60 series. Well, that's not a very high bar there. Well, no, no, no. I mean, yeah, I'm sure it's, it's cheap and economical to achieve and you could probably do it in a guy's garage every other weekend, but you know, it's, it's amazing the level of detail they're going to on this. Yeah. Well, and Paramount finally relented and allowed these fan, uh, fan films to be distributed so that's a good thing uh yeah i mean i'm all for it i have just you know i've tried so hard to see uh fan made features and and tv shows and i i'm just like wow it looks great and then i'm like <laughs> like if you guys know of a good fanfic whether it's star wars star trek whatever it is uh let Clue me in because, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I, uh, you, sir, in the front row? I have one. Yes, I have one. Go on. Yes, um, it, it, this one is actually from the 90s. It was back uh, uh, when the video toaster was really popular. Uh, and, new, new, and, new, new tech, new tech. And people, new, new, and new people tech. were doing, you know, it was, it was the first uh, generation of, of, of graphics being done. And uh, the name of it is Troops, and it's a parody of Cops, where uh, we're following stormtroopers. That. Yeah, yes. that's a good one. That is a good one. Yes, but that's more of a sketch than a than a, a an actual yeah. a, seri- a it, serious story driven thing. It's just uh, a little bit longer than an SNL pre tape. Yes, uh, yeah. That that wow. I can't. I was so obsessed with the video toaster, um, but now you can just do it with your laptop. That's just crazy, isn't it? Terrifying. Yeah. I mean, well, look, yeah. we're we're talking three hundred miles apart, and and it's almost like we're in the same room together. Yeah, and. Um, I'm actually able to to get a word in edgewise versus when it's usually with people in the room. Um, but uh, no, right now you you can go download. I downloaded this 3D compositing software that's free and it's used in feature films and it is 
incredibly easy to use and not incredibly easy to use, but it's, it's reasonably easy to use. And I can, I can do almost everything that they can do in, in the full paid version. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, Kevin Smith's yoga hosers. Mm. If I am not mistaken, which I probably am, had a one man visual effects crew of Andy McElfresh. Wow. And, or at least all the Bratzies and he did them all. So, and it was just from his computer at home and he does all kinds of things like this. So yeah, yeah. It, it is and, amazing the way that we have, uh, successfully, uh, you know, quadrupled the way we have continuously the processing power that's enabled these type of things to happen. But yeah, it's, there isn't, I mean, look how easy people are, are rotoscoping lightsaber battles now and everything else. Technology, look, folks, it's, it, 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 it I hate to sound like, uh, Kevin Smith because I, I already get called as toady online. No, that's okay. I'm fine with that. Uh, but it, seriously, this is now the age where anyone, like broadcast wise, can virtually do anything. It's the reason why YouTube is so yeah. popular. And you if know? you don't know how to do it, just go online and somebody will happily show you how to do it for free. There was a sixth season of community that was aired on uh, Yahoo. And mm -hmm. in it, there is one moment where they are for whatever reason, doing a movie and, uh, the main character played by Joel McHale, uh, Jeff winger at one point, uh, does what I have done several different times where he is, he wants to essentially edit the movie. So he doesn't look like a buffoon. <coughs> So he pulls up a YouTube video and it's a little kid giving an instruction and he just yells saying, <coughs> enough, just tell me how I edit. And I've been there so many times. Yeah. Yeah. It is. <coughs> you, you do have to wade through to find, find the, the good quality, uh, um, instructional videos out there, but they're there. They're there. It's, it's unbelievable how, um, much good content is out there and shit. I, I cannot, um, Marty, I'm not kidding. My very existence, my very ability to sustain my family and remain alive has been because I realized, one, don't be afraid to do anything, and two, the internet has all the information you need. Uh, it's true. It's true, except how to find love. No, um, no, it's got that too. Match.com. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Grinder. Uh, yeah. Um, that's not love. I keep wanting to say 23andMe, but they're the genetics company. Oh, yeah. Have you um, done that, by the way? Have you done one of those uh, home genetics tests? Nope. Not interested. Not interested. Don't want, don't, uh, don't want to have your DNA. I'm amazed. Marty, if you think about it, like if you want to, if you want to do a uh, tinfoil hat black helicopter talk ever, you want to think about it. It is amazing the way there are all of these uh, companies and services where we are freely giving away our information that's an opt-in so basically part of 23andme when they do your genetic uh, analysis they you can say okay you can put my genes anonymously into your pool so that you can study them and study the population well, let me well. ask you this question marty when we do that though when you submit your sample to 23andme for example whose property is that sample at that point and whose whose property is the knowledge they gain from that sample um all of ours the human society okay cuz in all seriousness i haven't looked at their uh, at, at their uh, agreement right but or their terms and conditions or what have you but but think about this what if when you submit that sample 
the genetic material you submit becomes their property. Okay. So at that point, if that is their, your, their property, anything they make using that sample is also their property. If that's it, I, again, I haven't read this, but then theoretically, even though it's illegal to do a human clone, they could clone your organs. They could clone you. They can make another Marty, but that Marty would be theirs and you have no claim to that. I'm not saying these are in the terms and conditions. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that that's a possibility. That's something to think about. And then think about also how freely we are giving away our information. You'll connect this account to that account to that account because you don't care. And you're carrying cookies all the way across. My Amazon Echo is always listening to me. What's it doing? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> just give me my my whole my, of, my whole yeah, point I, is it is just terrifying how many freedoms we're willing to give away for convenience. Sure, I, no, I, I I'm willing to bet a super hack could probably put together realistically probably very accurate profiles on each one of us based on the digital information they're able to gather from. Oh us. yeah. No, no, absolutely. That that stuff is out there. Mm -hmm. um, there are services that that can do that for you. Uh, yeah, but I'm, that's why I'm grateful that there's the EFF. Like there are those, you know, really hardcore people who are who are very tuned into that um, and and looking out for our digital rights. But but for the record, 23andMe they they do sell the the data they have, but they sell it as um, it's all anonymized. So. I don't think that uh, they sell, they hold on to your data as your individual data, but they just include it into the whole uh, package that then they use as a product that they go on and sell. See, it sounds very attractive to me only because my mother was, um, uh, how do I, say, well, let me put it this way. Uh, it was a different time and on her birth certificate, it's just stamped bastard. I'm not kidding. So, um, so... <laughs> There are some unanswered questions in my in my family profile, obviously. So, I, yeah. from that respect, I'd be interested to see what it says. But then again, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. These services, it's 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 as scientifically accurate as it can be. But mm. but like in other words, they may say that I've got something, but it's only because it has a high population in one area. But it's not necessarily like it's not necessarily going to come back and say I'm Mongolian. You know what I mean? Well, it's not going to come back and say I'm Irish, so yeah, it'll um, be interesting to see what it's. I'll t if I do do it, Marty, I'll come back on and I'll tell you the results because okay. I'm very yeah. interested to learn because supposedly I'm English, Irish, Polish, and German. Ah, um, yeah. I mean, I I think that there might be some health issues that I I might want to be interested in, but uh, nothing that I'm that concerned in with. I'm, I'm oh, you're talking about like the early screening possibilities. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. but I'm I'm a healthy person. I, I'm in, in terms of my ethnicity, I, I I think it's pretty clear. And if there's anything else in there, like, all right, cool. Yeah, like, yeah, you clearly look San Franciscan to me. Yeah, uh, I am through and through. See, um, do, have you seen the movie Wag the Dog, the Barry, Barry Levinson film <laughs> that uh, David Mamet wrote back in? Yes, and I think about it every day. But yes, I have. Yeah. So uh, last night they had a screening um, in New York to celebrate its 20th anniversary. And it's more, you know, uh, the, basically it's about how to manipulate, it's about media manipula manipulation and power and government and sort of soap opera stuff. Uh, sort of a black comedy, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, they had a Q&A before the screening, and this is at the 92nd Street Y in New York, 
or yeah, I think it was, uh, or Tribeca. I don't know. I don't know fucking New York, but um, they, uh, had, John Oliver was leading this discussion and in it, he basically, uh, Dustin Hoffman was there, Barry Levinson, Jane Rosenthal, the, the producer and De Niro, they were all on stage. Um, John Oliver said, uh, brought up the allegations by anagram Hunter, the a young actress who was a 17-year-old intern uh, during the filming of Hoffman's Death of a Salesman, and she accused him of groping her and sexually harassing her. And, and there's some sexual dynamics in the, in the movie, so John Oliver said, like, there's something that we're going to have to talk about because it's hanging in the air. And then basically read the, the accusation and... Uh, and then Dustin Hoffman got incredibly defensive, obviously. He's like, it's hanging in the air from a few things you've read. You've made an incredible assumption about me. Uh, you've made the case better than anyone else can. I'm guilty. And then it just got really tense. And he's like, I don't know who this woman is. I've never met her. Um, if I met her, it was in concert with other people. Um, there's a photo of her uh, with his, of them together with his arm around her. You know, it's a set photo, whatever. But clearly, they were friendly. Um, and it's uh, it got very tense, <laughs> and like to the point where uh, they moved on, and then Hoffman brought it up again, um, and like so. Do you think that's an appropriate thing to to bring up? Like so, one of the things that all John Oliver said is he read Hoffman's statement to the woman that that he didn't recall meeting her. Uh, he said that any comments he made were part of the family dynamic of the set and that it's not reflective of who I am. And then John Oliver said, that kind of response pisses me off. It's, it is reflective of who you were. If, if you've given no evidence to show it didn't happen, there was a period of time while, uh, for a while you were a creeper around woman. And he, and he says, it's, uh, it feels like a cop out to say it wasn't me. Do you understand how this feels like a dismissal? Uh, and so it put him on the spot, and some people in the crowd were upset at John Oliver for, for bringing it up, and they were yelling, move on, move on, and then other people were very supportive of John Oliver. Do you, do you have an opinion about that? <clears throat> I think the, the best uh, way to say it is that um, I don't necessarily view the venue as appropriate, uh, however, if it, like, for example, if this was, uh, John Oliver's one shot to go at, uh, Hoffman face to face and he wanted to do that, I could see why he did. Um, right, right. But, but I, but I, I don't think, I, I don't think we can ever get into, to dialogue about where it is and isn't appropriate to talk about these things because then you're, you're actually conditionalizing when it's okay to talk about, which I don't think should be the case. I think if, if the allegations are true, uh, and uh, some of the things were that he grabbed her on the butt. He, um, and at one point he said to her, uh, I want, um, a hard boiled egg and, uh, soft boiled clitoris. In, and then in front of a in front of a bunch of people, and apparently everyone burst out laughing. And then this girl well, went off and, and was really upset by it. So mm -hmm. that, that, that's um, those are the allegations. Well, I I think that okay. Well, it's 
again, I, I don't, if I say anything, if I were to, uh, I mean, it's rough because it's a bunch of people. It wasn't the audience for it, for sure. I mean, nobody there, uh, unless there was an entire audience of people that specifically showed up because they knew John Oliver was going to do this. It's, well, well, he hinted that he had told the organizers what he was going to talk about when Dustin Hoffman was like, why you, you well, and, push me like this? And, and, and that's a moment where they could have decided, you know what, we'll have someone else host this. So the organizers could have done that. Uh, I Look, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any right or wrong time to talk about these things. Again, it wasn't a place where people were looking for that. But at the same time, you know, this is a, it's a, it's a really weird and interesting time that we're in. Uh, because, uh, you know, people are saying, well, why are all these allegations happening? But, you know, it's more to the point that I think we're really just at this, this crossroads where society's just not willing to shut up about it anymore. Well, one of the, the what well, more, to said, the, more to the point, pardon me. And I'm sorry to cut you off again, Marty, on your show. Uh, what I mean is, uh, I just want to make sure my point is clear here. I'm sorry. It, what I mean is that, that, that people aren't willing to allow this bad behavior to continue. That's what I mean. I don't mean people aren't willing to, to shut up about it. I mean, they're not willing to suppress and, and put up with this crap anymore. Sure. No, I think that's a, a better way of putting mm-hmm. it. But, uh, but Oliver said, I, I can't leave certain things unaddressed. And he said this to Hoffman when Hoffman was criticizing him. He said, the easy way is to not bring anything up. Unfortunately, that leaves me at home later at night hating myself. Why the fuck didn't I say something? No one stands up to powerful men. And, you know, Hoffman was more defensive and he's like, how am I powerful? And then he said, have you seen Tootsie? I like, which, which is kind of weak. Uh, and here's my feeling is that like, I don't deny any of these things happen. He did not drug this girl. He did not rape this girl. He did not proposition this girl. He harassed her. Um, but as a performer, and this is not an excuse. And he also said it was a different time. That's not an excuse. But as some a performer who's looking, always looking to please a crowd, he saw an opportunity to, he got affirmation from the crowd when everybody laughed when he humiliated this girl uh, and made her uncomfortable. Uh, I think that's that, that happened, and I think that he should just own up to it and just say, like, listen, like I was a, I was younger, I was a shitty person or a shittier person, I was a creepier person. And I'm not that person anymore. I've learned th- through this. And uh, because that, I think, is, I, I, I don't know if there's a, a, I think for something like what he did, it's like, I've, I've been, uh, I'm trying to think. Of, no, I mean, I haven't uh, ever harassed anybody before. No, I mean, that's an easy one to think. But I'm just thinking of like, you know, I've been with girls I've, you know, you, you, flirt around like women I've dated and whatever but um, but never but like if you step over the line you're like oh I'm, I'm sorry I, w- I was over the line then then you move on but you know I, and I, I don't really think anyone can hide behind it was a different time uh, as a comment because at least since the 80s right on so 80s 90s aughts now this decade I've known what's right and what's wrong. I know you can't walk up to a woman and say, hey, nice rack. I know you can't just grab or touch a woman. And I also know you need to know your audience. You don't make a joke about a hard-boiled clitoris 
with a female. So part of me. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> get, your, get your facts correct. Right. You can't make that kind of comment to it. Like, especially if it was to the female in turn. Yeah. No, right? of course. As, no. And, and, and he was doing it because he was the star. He had an audience that loved a bunch of crew people who were just like hanging on his every word. And he saw an easy joke at the expense of somebody who didn't matter to him. Yeah, and plus and, the entertainment industry has a very unique and weird double standard. There was a very brief stint in the early, in 2001, where I was in Los Angeles in the radio business. And uh, one of the things that, that basically was outlined was that the, the like everyone had to sign an attestation that a lot of the items that would happen in this job would involve things of an adult nature. So you had to accept the fact that the, these would occur within this environment. Not that that was a write-off for sexual harassment, but I'm no, just saying... Adult nature doesn't mean that it, it's sexist or, right. you know, uh, assaulty or, or non-consensual. That just means things of adult nature, like people have sex. Yeah. It's not appropriate for kids, like, but... Yeah, yeah, that's not, no, that's not an excuse. And I think we're, we're just at a tipping point where, where I think the world is learning that, uh, well, not even learning, but it's finally willing to acknowledge it. And, and Marty, you can, uh, you can, you can counter this point if you wish. Uh, but you know, I think what it comes down to is I think that in some ways men are genetically coded to be sexual predators in a way. Uh, you know, we are, we're, we're, we're genetically encoded to inseminate, which means we have certain impulses. However, I think that it also falls upon the raising of the man child and men to understand what is and is not acceptable and that you have to have discipline. So once people are, I guess, ascending to these higher levels, you have less people saying no to you and that discipline falls to the wayside with great sexual power comes great sexual responsibility exactly you know yeah. what i mean i i think a lot of that um you say genetics you know you can also say it might be hormonal like mm -hmm. testosterone like it, i remember um there was this american life that i've mentioned before that they interviewed uh, uh this uh trans man and when he was explaining the first time that he started getting uh, testosterone treatments he was on the subway just having these like aggressively sexual thoughts to strangers that he never had when he didn't have that that uh testosterone like boost so i, I think that might be uh, part of the issue um but either way like you said that's like you know we are evolved beings we have we have reason and we have uh, uh agency so we have to basically act like and, and respect everybody else and so it, it shouldn't be difficult but um so i know netflix has had a couple issues with that uh robin wright is now taking over they're starting filming uh next year for um the last season of house of cards with her as the lead role which is great i've been mm -hmm. a fan of hers ever since she was on santa barbara uh, dude so, me too yeah she was 19 i was like wow she's hot oh wow uh, no i didn't i didn't approach it from i just thought when she was in princess bride i'm like i saw her first in passions don't ask why no not passion santa barbara santa barbara yeah i yeah, think it was because yeah. at the time wow that was ages ago too wasn't it because i yeah. was 
Well, you too, then. You you probably still would yeah. have been around high school age, right? I was in high school. I came home at uh, two, um, and let's see, days was at two, and then Santa Barbara was at three, I think, or the other way around. I forget what it was, but um, yeah, I, I watched it just because the uh, a girl I like watched it. So yeah, see, um, I had I had friends that watched Days of Our Lives, and then Santa Barbara came on. And it's like a new soap opera premiering, and I'm like, ah, why not? Let's just see what this nonsense is about. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember when I first came to LA, I ran into one of the actors in there and like she, that was years after she was in Santa Barbara and I just like froze up because we were just chatting at the park and I was like, Oh my God, it's like, uh, forget it. I forget her, the character's name, but, uh, it was cool. Um, so anyhow, I'm good for Robin Wright for taking over and I'm glad for the whole crew that they get, uh, further employment and the writers, um, that's good, and also for the fans so they get some closure for their story. But and I'm glad that Netflix had the wherewithal to uh, fire Kevin Spacey. But um, this weekend there was a, a a soccer game here in LA, kids girls soccer team, uh, and one of the coaches uh, is an executive at Netflix, and a mother from the opposing team came up to him and said, uh, "Do you work at Netflix?" And he said, "Yeah." And he's, she said, well, why hasn't anybody done anything uh, at Netflix about Danny Masterson and the, uh, with regard to the four women uh, who accused him of raping them? And he said, well, no one believes them. And the woman said, well, I'm one of those women. And then she went to the press, like he tried to, apologize or smooth things over later in the day but um like anyhow it, yes it, it was a, a clusterfuck of it was so, such a this guy is not even in that department this guy's an executive in the kids tv department um and then his wife sent this like angry email to the husband uh saying like how dare your wife come up and, and ruin like you know attack my innocent husband but the guy fucked up. The guy said something that he knew nothing about. And in this sort of knee-jerk response of like, I don't want to talk about this. This is not the place for this. He said, oh, they don't believe him. And like, dismissed her. Like, mm-hmm. And it, was, it resulted in a brouhaha. She went to the press and all this shit went down. Um, I... I you know, from her point of view, the the mother's point of view, or the the accuser's point of view, she went in like really wanting to know why nothing was going on. Like her intentions, I think, were were genuine. She wanted to know why Netflix didn't do anything about. It. Uh, so Danny Masterson is on some shitty, shitty uh, show on Netflix that I've never seen. That's Called the Ranch. The Ranch with uh, Ashton Kutcher. Um, but. Netflix finally responded and uh, they fired Danny Masterson uh, yesterday or this morning and they, he finished shooting yesterday and he will not be in any more episodes. Uh, he has maintained his innocence. Um, one of the, the issues, and this happened in the early 2000s, uh, that Danny Masterson was accused of, of drugging and raping four women. Um, I don't know if he drugged all of them, but... Uh, they were all Scientologists, and Scientologists, uh, the rules, they forbid you from accusing other Scientologists of a crime, so those women didn't come forward until recently. Um, and 
so it's a, a hard thing to sort of prosecute the the LA police. The, they investigated it early this earlier this year, um, and I think they're they it slowed down for a while, but I think they're now more vigorously pursuing it. Um, now, how do you feel about that particular portion? Now, only because. I, for every one of these things, you got Matt Lauer, uh, Danny Masterson, who else has, has been removed from their positions? Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Um, the, the showrunner for the flash. Uh, yeah. Andrew Christberg. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing though. Uh, realistically speaking, I'm not, look, first of all, uh, again, I'm not making any excuses. Clearly there's an issue. And I'm in no way, shape, or form trying to take any way, anything away from the victims uh, because, or, or anything else. From an HR standpoint, let's think about it this way. You're a company. Let's just call it a company. You, you, from an HR standpoint, clearly you have to suspend the people. You can't have them working there until you know if the allegations are true or not because then it represents a hostile workplace. Okay? But, but, but terminating before you know anything has been proven... How do you feel about that? I, well, I I mean, because I'm sure there are uh, morality clauses in people's contracts, but until things are are proven, and, and I'm only speaking strictly from a legal standpoint here, until things are really proven, yeah. should people be terminated? Shouldn't they be suspended? Well, I, I think it depends on uh, what the company's, uh, what, what their uh, company mission is uh, Netflix had that um, one engineer who wrote that sexist um, screed and he was fired for it because it went against the company policy. So it, it and that's not none. He didn't do anything illegal, but he did. So Netflix is not bound by the same uh, burden of proof that the, the justice system is. Mm -hmm. and, and they can just judge based on and hopefully they did uh, a, a thorough investigation and they should well, have fuck had enough long enough time to do it it, all, it i guess could, that, i guess it also also depends on where they're a corporation and also where production is on the ranch because sure there's so many things that are involved there's like yeah. do people want to work with a rapist yeah. or, or a suspected rapist and acu accused accused is the term yeah. you're looking for well um does Netflix want that person representing their their brand? Yeah, um, and, and and you know the thing is, enter, like the people that we're hearing about, they may have have situations in their employment agreements where you know if if a situation arises that, that produces negative press for them, they probably have the ability to let them go. But you know, like, and what I was saying too is that if they don't have, you know, all these most of these people will have contracts, so there's more than likely clauses. But we're also if it's anywhere like California, they're also California companies get to be at will employers. So they really don't have to have a cause to let you go. You can just let uh, you go. Sure. Yeah. And, and I think it's so he maintains that he had sex with all these women, but it was all consensual. Um, I think just knowing the, this, the incredibly uh, opaque uh, structure of the Scientology, the church of Scientology, like I imagine that they, they protect their own, and um, and there have been plenty of cases of abuse that have gone un, unpunished in Scientology. No, so. I, I just realized, though, that this Danny Masterson thing, because of the Scientology aspect, it's actually bigger than 
we would expect because this means that now an entertainer connected to Scientology, right? Is he still actively a Scientologist or? I do, I do not know that. Well, if he was, I don't even know if he was. Was he? Was he a Scientologist? Okay. Oh, so yeah. that's why, yeah, because yeah. they wouldn't accuse another Scientologist stuff. Okay. I'm with right. you. So then we're talking, because, you know, a lot of people have said that Scientology gets away with it does because of influence. Uh, and with, especially within the entertainment industry, but apparently Scientology wasn't able to protect Andy Masterson. That's interesting. Um, it's not, I think it, their influence is within the church. So they, you don't think they, they have wasn't. outside influence on the entertainment industry? N- no, okay. not, not, not any, not like they might have in the nineties. I mean, it's such a fringe religion. Um, but I think that within, they have, they're very restrictive about what people can say outside of the, the church. So, uh, and I, I imagine, I don't, I don't, none of the um, accusers have been identified, but if they have any sense, hopefully they have uh, removed themselves from the church, which is why they feel free to, to uh, go ahead with this, uh, these accusations. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we're a comedy podcast. Uh, here on the, yeah. Um, but no, I'm I'm glad. I mean, th- this is all part of the 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 whole the 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 change that's going on. Uh, there's the Queen biopic that's uh, been filming for a while. They have two more weeks of shooting. Uh, Brian Singer is the director, and he just got fired, and um, he has been accused multiple times in the past. The the accusations have been dropped of uh, raping um young younger men boys mm-hmm. um and apparently there was there was a lot of uh, friction that he admitted to between him and uh, Rami Malek um who's playing uh Freddie Mercury but uh and I guess he was having trouble showing up on set uh Brian Singer was Brian Singer was claiming that he was suffering from stress because of uh family issues and then um i guess he, he ultimately got fired uh i don't i'm curious if if he's going to be next on the chopping block of of these um this sort of sexual warlock hunt um are, are you are you saying that it's uh are you i don't even want to say you're saying but are you speculating that uh part of the reason why he was dropped from the freddie mercury biopic is because of those accusations and they sense problems in the air. Um, uh, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if that were the reason, like if, or if that were, was a, contrib- a contributing factor. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm not saying I have any, I have nothing to base that on. So. Well, yeah, it's kind of, cause it is kind of weird that they only have like two weeks of shooting left and yeah. they're done. With yeah. Them, you know, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Obviously, there's something there. I, I, I um, I, I still don't know how I feel about the Freddie Mercury biopic overall. So, oh, I, I don't. It, it better have something cool going on to it because biopics are just are just by and large, um, just unwatchable to me. Like, I don't know. Are you a fan of biopics? I I can't really think of, of any one that I found firmly engrossing. So no. Yeah. yeah, the best ones are the ones that are are critical of of their subject matter. Um, yeah, I prefer more a documentary about people. Yeah, or I guess Patton was one that was uh, thrown at me when I expressed my disdain towards uh, biopics. 
Um, do you do you follow sports at all? Are you a sports person at all? Unfortunately, no. I just, uh, I mean, you know, my wife will watch the Giants, the San Francisco Giants play um, mm-hmm. during baseball season, but that's about it. Um, okay. Well, then I'll just skip that story. Uh, well, you <laughs> never know. What was it? Okay. So uh, it's just, I think you'll appreciate this story because it's um, uh, it's a, a good Good story. So, are you? There's a the Premier League in in England is there the the top? It's the major leagues of uh, soccer in England, right? And it's a it's a nine tier system. So basically, the top tier is the Premier League, um, and uh, it goes all the way down to the ninth league, which is there are four professional leagues, and the uh, the bottom five are sort of semi pro, and um, and what makes them different from, uh, say, U.S. teams like uh, baseball or football is that they're, they're called, um, they're like promotion leagues. So, and, and basically the, the bottom two, uh, three teams, I think it is, of the Premier League at the end of the season get relegated to the lower team, the lower league. So Ooh. if you don't perform well, you get kicked down to the bottom. And if you... Uh, that means that the the league right below that, they uh, in the EFL, uh, I, some European person is probably just yelling at their machine right now, saying you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But those the top three of that the lower one, they get promoted to the uh, the Premier League. And so what it does is it uh, it forces teams to try to be as good as they can. Right. Makes sense. So what happens in the NFL here is when at the end of the season, if they don't have a good team, you know, if they're having a, good, a lousy season, they might not do their all in the later games. Because if you have a, a worse record, you get a better draft pick the next, the next season. So it's in their best, better interests to do poorly if they know that there's no chance of them making the playoffs. Whereas in the Premier League, like you get, people really excited over games that don't have anything to do with who's going to be champion, but it, they have to do with uh, a team being relegated or, or promoted. Mm-hmm. And so it gets really exciting. So uh, back, uh, you know, for a hundred years, Wimbledon, uh, there was the Wimbledon football club uh, and you know, they were historic. They, they had their ups and downs, but um, uh, normally teams don't get, move from place to place but i guess in 2002 they uh someone i think overseas bought the team again talking at my ass uh but moved the team and figured you know fuck the fans and the fans were just like oh okay uh we're gonna start our own team and so literally with no money no structure they didn't look for a, a big rich person to front them uh, basically, they said that 75% of the team will be owned by Wimbledon, the, the town of Wimbledon, or the, the neighborhood. Talking on my ass, so never been. Um, but uh, so that meant that, you know, that it, it really like, brought the community together. And incredibly, like, so they started out in the ninth tier, like, just like you're walking your dog and you're like, Oh, there's a soccer game going on. Isn't that interesting? Gotta go. And like, you know, just almost playing in the park type of uh, situation. Mm-hmm. 
then within like um i think nine years they moved up in the tiers until the professional league and so they went from like semi-pro amateur to professional in nine years which is like crazy in this entrenched system uh and they um and it was like this very exciting penalty goal in 2000 uh 2011 um that the the team captain made sorry oh you, yeah you, i was trying you, to find another story too apologies i wasn't trying to enhance oh, your no, story no. you're like oh the drama oh no i was i thought that was exciting uh the top two teams uh get promoted um and oh yeah so it is three teams that get promoted so um and, and Darren is uh, schooling me on this. So the top two teams get promoted. The next four go into playoffs. And then the person, the team that wins that playoffs gets promoted with the, the other two teams. So um, AFC Wimbledon, this, this sort of scrappy group, they're now in, uh, they are in the uh, EFL League One, which is like, they've moved up to like, they're basically in AAA baseball. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, it's, an incredible like comeback story or, or whatever. Uh, uh, um, and what, what's great is like, you've got these uh, Russian oligarchs that run, that own the, the, you know, man, you, uh, again, I, I think that's not true. I think it might be an American. Um, that's, that's, uh, the, uh, big, that's the Dallas Cowboys of, of, uh, premier league. Um, mm-hmm. But they, you know, that, this is a multi-billionaire, um, uh, Avram Glazer, uh, I guess that's who owns it. But sorry, there's there's all sorts of stuff going on here. Um, <laughs> so you've got a billionaire who owns uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys, and then you've got this scrappy little, like, home, like, it, it's great. It's, like, better than, than the Green Bay Packers, because like, there's, like, no money involved. You've got, like, uh, it, it's just a, a, a truly a community coming together to to defeat like the the giants of the sport mm-hmm. and and I, I just this has obviously been going on for a while wow 14 I, years I, yeah but in 14 years they went from nothing to to be making uh being like a professional team um and it's so funny do you know who john green is he, no. he wrote the fault. He wrote the fault in our stars. Oh, okay. He's a, he's a big web guy, and he basically would, was playing like shitty uh, FIFA on his uh, on his whatever his PlayStation and and live streaming it, and he basically took the money from his live stream and used it to promote to be a a sponsor for AFC. Oh, wow. Yeah, AFC Wimbledon. So they all have, they all have a patch on their ass that is, of uh, you know, uh, don't forget to be awesome. The DFTBA um, on their ass, and well, while they're playing the game, and it's just a, it's really, it's a heartwarming story. And then when you just see how how much it means to the the, the fans and and the the players, it's it's cool that that the, it's possible for grassroots to. Uh, to take hold and, and grow and flourish. So, yeah, it, it, it would be a nice story. It's a great, it's a great parable about the power of what happens when people come together on a common goal and believe in something and, and work to strive for something. Uh, it seems like it's a story that's a complete antithesis about what America is going through right now. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> so it is yeah. nice to hear these positive affirmations. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, so. like, you know, it's, it's, I like hearing about stuff like that. You know, it's like, I like hearing about the teams uh, where everyone comes together and they push ahead or like the Jamaican bobsled team or, or that kind of thing. Right. But it, that is even different because they didn't, they sucked. Yeah. <laughs> Not like not here, li- not like they strove to do something and they were great at it. No, yeah, they just wanted a free trip to some place that wasn't so fucking hot. <laughs> yeah, um, and so it, it's it, it's great when these kind of stories happen, and I, I thank you for sharing because now I'll read up right, up on it and hopefully get motivated. Oh, because yeah. Actually, go, go the Vice video that that was done last year. There um, you go. Uh, look on YouTube. It, it's it's a it's a truly a heartwarming story. Yeah, it's very nice, uh, especially in times like this where, you know, we have to wonder: can we come together as a community and and be great? Um, you know, like with the situation going on in Alabama with Roy Moore and Doug Jones, and and you wonder, like even with all of the other things that are going on in the campaign, you just wonder: you know, can we realistically expect a, a Democratic senator to come out of uh, modern day Alabama you know is that possible or is it just too red to convert kind of thing right so you know it's it, it's possible but uh you know I'm I'm less I don't know where you're at uh but you know I'm less about you know getting to flip this or or flip that uh I I'm really uh, here in America I, I'm really more aligned with I'd really like to see some true bipartisan cooperativeness going on again. Um, something that uh, I shouldn't even say again, because I think like there's this wonderful infographic that my uh, co-host Trent Hunsaker uh, shared with me where it basically shows the cooperation between the house of representatives uh, from basically the fifties on till now, uh, like for each particular Congress or Senate and on the infographic, so the you know you've got red dots for the Republicans, blue for the for the Democrats, and what you see is a lot of commingles in in the way they vote. So this was based on voting, right? And as you and what you see is that over time it has become as polarized as it has. But we used to be at a point back in the fifties where yeah there were Democrats, there were Republicans, but they still were in a bipartisan effort to try and get what they wanted instead now sure it's Even just in about the, the 70s and 80s i mean yeah, now it's O'Neill. now it's just about uh what team has control and and putting down the other team basically right yeah you know, and that's that's not what it should be but anyway no. so so it's just it's it's nice to hear positive stories because it you, you know we don't hear a lot of good ones uh, but There's actually so few of them. speaking of positive stories uh simon fisher seven on twitter just shared this one with me and i think it has in, in, interesting ramifications in the in the in, if i understand it correctly so uh 21st century fox the corporation behind like Everything, I guess. 20th century mm. Fox. I don't know what I don't know what properties they own, but if it's if the 21st century also owns the movie business, this is an uh-huh. interesting thing. Because apparently there are uh major talks, serious talks now, for Disney buying certain uh 21st century Fox uh assets. If one yeah. of those assets is either the film business or the things that uh, Fox has licensed to from the Marvel MCU, 
Mm-hmm. It would I be, think it would probably be the, that. If and, that's the case, then that means we could finally see nerds, listen up. We could finally, geeks, I'm talking to you. I'm one of you. We could finally see the Fantastic Four and the X-Men in the Marvel MCU again. Um, they would have to recast all that shit, wouldn't they? Nope. No, no. Oh, I guess Chris uh, Chris Evans has long been he's long been replaced as Johnny Storm. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and he's been Captain America, so I wouldn't worry about it. Those yeah. whole things need a reboot. They they'll just yeah they would they probably would bring in new actors anyway, uh, especially considering what happened after the last Fantastic Four movie. But but this is great yeah. news at least for the nerds of the world. I don't care about anyone else. Uh, just being able to uh, there's this there's this wonderful thing if you haven't seen it. Uh, it's, it's Patton Oswalt's seven minute, uh, free form filibuster on Parks and Rec. Oh, Parks and Rec. Yeah. And he yeah, tells this gigantic that. story where he basically brings, I think the Marvel MCU in touch with the star Wars universe. And then, and, and it's, it, we're really nearing a point where that rant could, could come to fruition. Uh, yeah, I, I think if Disney sees an opportunity to <laughs> make money and exploit that, they absolutely will. Well, the thing that I'm, I'm kind of, uh, flabbergasted by is the fact that Fox is still kind of adhering to their holding on of these properties. Uh, they haven't successfully done something with the Fantastic Four yet. All three movies were in some way a disappointment. Uh, X-Men. Um, has- wait, there were actually four Fantastic Four movies, but go on. Okay, I don't count the uh, George Romero movie. I don't count it. I've never it's seen it. The George Romero, it's the uh, the um, Roger Corman. Oh, pardon me, Roger Corman. I knew it was one of them. Yes. yes. <clears throat> but yeah, no, I haven't seen the Roger Corman uh, Fantastic Four movie. Have you? I have tried. I've tried. So uh, I actually knew uh, the lawyer at the company at, uh, at the time. I was working for another lawyer. They were roommates and... Basically, um, New Constantine, uh, they owned, it's a German company, they owned the rights to uh, the Fantastic Four, and they would lose the rights if they didn't, um, if they didn't make a movie. So they made this movie uh, at uh, Concord. They basically gave them a million dollars and said, uh, make, make a Fantastic Four movie. Uh, they had no intention of releasing it. They, like, they cast these actors who are earnest and like not very good, but... Um, but they they probably were like, oh, I'm so psyched! I'm in this huge, you know, this big superhero movie. They they made it. They got to keep the rights to uh, the property, and uh, the movie never saw the light of day until some smart person, sneaky person, leaked it. And I think it, you can watch it on YouTube if, uh, yeah, or you can find it. So there have been four Fantastic Four movies. Uh, I don't think any of them been major. Uh, uh, blockbuster uh, when they came out. The X-Men movies did have a decent resurgence with their uh, kind of reboot and their decade approach. But, you know, it's my whole point is it's a lot of money and it's a lot of work to make these movies. And I would think that after what happened with Spider-Man, they like Fox would have at least learned, well, if we license these characters back to them, in essence, let them use them. We can have an opportunity to make money, not have to put right. up money, and not right. have to really do anything. Yeah. So yeah, it's like if you're just gonna leave that thing, yeah, that uh, exercise cycle in the in the you know in the garage, and no one's gonna use it, then uh, 
you know, it seems like a waste. Right. But if you could have it somewhere and somebody has to drop $5 every time in that they, they use it and they do use right. it, why wouldn't you? Yeah. So Exactly. So that's a, that's one of those things where I, I don't understand why we're, we're still at this point, but okay, whatever. Um, I, I'm just, I, I don't know though. I, I guess I really shouldn't be so excited about that until we see whatever comes from the Infinity are you War. Fin- are you a Fantastic Four fan? <clears throat> I, I, I should say I'm, uh, connectively a fan of the fantastic four because they've been involved in a lot of spider-man stories right yeah i mean like they were they were part of uh his uh not part of his gen well part of his genesis is early starting for example like one of the ways peter parker wanted to try and make money was to become uh a member of the fantastic four earlier on that was like one of the first five episodes i or five uh issues of the amazing spider-man you know until he found and he successfully infiltrated the baxter building only to discover oh the fantastic four don't make money so the, you know, there's not real money there. Right. So yeah. I've, so in that way I've been, I've always been aware of them. Uh, and, and as a team, they've been interesting, but I've only kind of, I, I followed them in their connections to Spider-Man. I followed them because of the actions of the original secret wars miniseries in the eighties, uh, mm-hmm. limited run. Love that. And then recently I watched, or I read all of the future foundation, comics which was kind of a continuation of the fantastic four after johnny storm died Mm -hmm. so so i haven't been a major fan but you know you can see that there are it's obviously a very powerful mixture uh, that uh, that appeals to people considering at least two out of the four superpowers were copied like in the incredibles you know what i mean so right right yeah there's Uh, there's a lot of money on the table that that people would foolishly be walking away from they don't let people do it that's what i'm saying um, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I mean, I guess. Um, do you, are, what are your feelings about Infinity War? Did, did you read the original? I, I did read the original. Um, so obviously it is something that they can't do effectively in the form of a movie. Is that what it's based on though? Uh, I don't know what approach they're going to be taking because, uh, it, I bet one of the listers knows. Well, I mean, it, I think the movies that we're going to see, the the Infinity War movie is going to basically be the battle to keep the stones out of Thanos' uh, glove. Right. So all of that movie we're going to see is probably going to be all of the stones that he's trying to get here on Earth, uh, and however many there are. Uh, I don't know by the end of it if they will have stopped him or not, or if it's going to be that uh, that movie ends with uh, Thanos uh, reimagining the universe. Because that's what happens when you get all these stones. You can basically rewrite reality. And and that's what he does in the comics. He creates a whole new world, a whole new universe. Uh, And there are... Uh, is it a two-parter? Is it uh, originally it was conceived as Infinity War was a two-parter, but now it's the unnamed fourth Avengers movie. Uh, so, I wonder if they're going to have Adam Strange, or whether like Star Lord will be like this sort of proxy for that. Or well, they teased Adam Strange at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy two, and one mm-hmm. of the things that I did read about is that uh, this uh, movie is about four years after. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So mm-hmm. it's been a while since we've seen the Guardians. So right. it, it and and if that's the case, and if we saw like if 
that one after credit scene where we see uh, whatever the golden people's name were, uh, they said up had some hoity toity name, um, the sovereign or whatever they were called. They, um, you know, they end up making, uh, Adam Warlock. Oh, right, right. They oh, tease that at the end. Did not even put that together. I'm such a so, idiot. So in theory, he could, he could be in, in the, uh, within there. Uh, but we'll what's, see. What's so sad is like, what's so terrible is that like, I'm just go through IMDB. I'm like, nope, not in the credits. And, uh, so it must not be happening. I hope that like, that would be awesome if they could like go beyond like sort of circumvent like contracts and IMDb stuff to make sure that like Adam Strange gets cast and put in the movie and nobody knows. Yeah, I have um, no idea what to even anticipate from this one. I, I really think it's just going to be a battle for the stones here on Earth. It's going to be a clusterfuck, I think. And then I think the end of the movie would probably be the heroes going off into space to pursue Thanos as he continues his quest because naturally... It's an extension. You know, we didn't stop him here, but if he's not stopped, everything is at risk. So I, I think that's what the fourth movie will be. Unless by the end of this movie, he gets all the stones and then the next movie would just be this whole new, new reality movie where they've got to fight back. And con continuity wise, that doesn't, that seems too broad for general mm. audiences to me. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, people are just having enough trouble trying to figure out what the fuck the Infinity Stones are. Well, uh, look, look at it this way. When it comes to TV, anytime they do something like this, it always takes several episodes to kind of explain it away. So yeah, there's and even like, then, I'm just like, ugh. Yeah, you can't do that Marvel, in a movie. Like, I got so tired of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It, well, really? Yeah, it's just... I should give it another chance. I should finish I, it. Well, honestly, I will tell you, if you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the first season is difficult to watch, but the second well, season... I went through like four seasons of it. Really? I found no. the second season was an improvement on the first, and then three and four. We're in four now, aren't we? Or are we in five? Shit, I don't um, remember. It just, I think five just started. And it it started out great. So it's, it, it's, the whole point is the show is not afraid to do something, but I also have a funny feeling that uh, the writing is on the wall for that show because uh, Disney clearly has specific plans for TV. And even though they have these elements on their network, uh, like they're not going to do any new Netflix shows, they're going to, they're saving this all for their on demand service. And yeah. uh, so it, I have a funny feeling this will be the last year for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., especially since ABC has decided to put it just like they did the Inhumans and they did it with once upon a time too. their other sci-fi fantasy show. They're on Friday night now. And there's only uh, one, there's only one show that I can think of that ever busted the Friday night slump. And that was, um, and that was, uh, X-Files. The only one I can think of. Huh? Can you think oh, yeah. of any show that, uh, that lasts? Well, I, I guess Grimm did most of its run on Fridays on NBC. Um, love boat. Oh, there you go. Well, because, yeah. you know, it's it's really, it's all programming for shut-ins, right? Friday yeah, and Saturday exactly. nights. That's why NBC has thrown in the towel, for example, and they just said, you know what? Uh, I don't know what they do on the East Coast, but here on the West Coast, we get SNL at the same time it's going live oh, on the East right. Coast. Yeah. They're like, yeah. forget Saturday nights. And, and I don't yeah. blame them, because what the well, hey? Uh, according to reports on Screen Rant, um, Adam Warlock will not be in the next two Avengers films, but will be in Guardians. The Guardians three. Um, okay. Yeah. So, 
that's what we have to look forward to. I'm sure he'll be teased. Uh, that would be smart of them. Um, and then uh, Darren was uh, quick to remind us that Logan was a gigantic hit this year. Deadpool was a big hit last year. Uh, Deadpool 2 will be big. Um, and then they're also working on the the uh, Dark Phoenix movie. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about that. Jessica Chastain as, um, I think, as Jean Grey. I believe that's what the, what it is. And um, I don't believe Wolverine's in it. They're not going to recast. No, I he retired. Yeah, but why can't they just recast him? They can recast Jean Grey. Why can't they recast um, Hugh Jacquemont? Probably, be, you know, it's, yeah, I think it's too soon. It's too soon to recast that role. Uh, you know, it was different with Superman. Uh, they had Christopher Reeves, then it was a long time, and then uh, you had Brian Singer come in with Superman Returns. That movie flopped, so it was okay again to recast so soon. But really, uh, it, it's not, I mean, Hugh Jackman has played this role for a long time. He is definitively that role. And I don't really think you can get away with casting somebody else in that role right now. What, nine movies or something like that? Yeah, I, th uh, I think maybe we get a decade out from, from now, we'll probably be ready for a Wolverine. I think if the X-Men wind up going to the Marvel MCU, he might reverse that. But then again, I think the guy might want to enjoy some carbs now and then too. So No kidding. You never yeah. know. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, Darren says Supernatural sent to Friday and back. Oh, go. so it went and came back. Wow, but that was on the CW. That network doesn't count. <laughs> uh, we're talking about real TV. Well, There's but then again, you know, TV anymore. I, I can't even say that because I, I'll be honest. When it comes to television right now, uh, here's here's my layout for the week. I don't know what yours is like. Let's let's compare grits, shall we, Marty? Do you mind? Mm. We'll, we'll close go, out. Go, go. We'll close out talking grits. Oh yeah, well yeah, I wanted to, to we'll, we'll yeah, I want one last thing, uh, but in, corp in uh, to do with the grids very quickly. Uh, there is an Amazon Prime, or you can go if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can watch Doomed, the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. Oh, and Amazon, that's a documentary. Uh, thank you for that, Tyson. Uh, go on, explain your grid, and I'll get to my question to you that relates to that. Okay, yeah. So, so when it comes to TV viewing, the week kicks off on Sunday. It was me watching. Um, uh, Star Trek Discovery. Other than that, Sunday, I have no commitments now. Monday, Supergirl. Tuesday is The Flash. Maybe Legends of Tomorrow if I feel into it. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. Wednesday is... Uh, the show with Bill Clemmer. That's his show. Which one? Uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Well, yeah, I mean, I look, I, I watch every season. I've watched every season. The only one of the shows I don't watch is Arrow. It's a question of whether I'm going to watch it on Tuesday or not. Why don't you watch Arrow? I, because I didn't watch it from the beginning, so I just haven't really gotten into the tone kind of thing, even though uh, it's transformed I, somewhat. I, I, I don't know. I just, I I'm haven't. A, I'm a huge Willa Holland. I'm not Willa Holland fan. Um, whatever. Emily Beck Records fan. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, uh, but Wednesday, Wednesday is all about Mr. Robot. That's it. Don't care about anything else. Uh, Thursday. Thursday is so opaque, I can't even think of anything that I absolutely positively have to watch there. Oh, no, no. It was The Good Place on NBC before it went on hiatus. Ah. Uh, and then Friday, we have got uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then Saturday, I'll watch Saturday Night Live. That's, let, that's like the maximum amount of my... 
I think that's about where my TV viewing lands. There may be an occasional pickup here and there, but not much else. Um, I I want to, to, I'll also uh, watch iZombie when it comes back. Izumbie. Okay, very good. Um, Darren reminded us or, or schooled us that the Wolf Amsterdam Wanderers are currently at the top of the league. Uh, that's the the whatever the second tier league. Uh, they may be promoted to the Premiership in May as champions. Well, good luck to you, Wolf Amsterdam. Oh, Tyson brings up a good point too. If they recast Wolverine, his vote would be for Zac Efron. Well, the guy definitely has the dedication to his body for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'm. I. I like that Zac Efron. He. He'd be good. That's a good. That's actually a very good choice. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, but uh, I just I spend so much time in the fucking car commuting and uh and then trying to to just do stuff i'm i'm really behind on my tv watching i watch just out of habit i watch um sunday morning uh, sunday uh evening fox and so i i love um oh thursdays was the orville that's it uh, i love the last man on earth tried watching the orville do not care for it. Do not do not like it at all. Um, uh, but um, maybe I should give it a chance. I only watched the first five episodes. Um, no, no, it it, it's okay because you know Mark Bernardin too. He he watched it and he said it's like I've I've seen enough Star Trek and it's definitely Star Trek inspired. I I like it when it when it uh, when it does kind of play it straight and it just admits that it's kind of it's the future and it's kind of like Starfleet, but. It's not a Starfleet with all these uh, elevated human right, beings. Right. It's just right, right. it's it'd be like if if you if you were uh, ca- not casting, but if you were posting positions in modern day and putting the people in. And that aspect I like about it because it kind of helped make it a little more relatable. Uh, but sometimes the jokes are thrown in a little bit uh, out of place. Uh, there was one incident where somebody saw. Uh, it, look, I'll say it, a clown, okay, a really creepy clown on their ship, and then somebody, you know, said, "We got to look out, look out for any kind of clowns. We don't know what to expect." And one of the people said, uh, "You know, should we keep an eye out for pies?" And then they say, "You know, well, it's a clown, so uh, nothing's nothing can be ruled out. Pies, seltzer bottles, banana peels. Keep an eager eye out." And that line was a little little heavy for me. It was just a little right. out of place. Uh, but yeah, I think it. I just think it's a, it's good, enjoyable comedy. If you want to sit down for an hour and just check your brain at the door, it's okay. Um, so my my question to you then is, what is your uh, favorite? I know you're not a hundred percent up on your movies, but what what is your um, what are your top move shows of 2017? Since we're closing out the year, oh, even it, though, in the way of movies. No, no, TV shows. TV, TV shows. shows. Wow. Um, that's really hard to quantify because you want to say something. Oh, Sunday used to also be John Oliver um, last week tonight. Oh, yeah. Great show. <clears throat> I think that uh, in the way of, of TV that has really knocked my socks off, honestly, The Flash has done a good return to comedy this year, so so the last part of the season I've really enjoyed. I think consistently, though, Mr. Robot has been telling a very unique and both visually and mentally stimulating show. I would definitely have to say it's probably my top so far of 2017. Uh, okay. That's season three, right? Yeah. 
and, um, it, and it's definitely i mean it's hard it's really kind of hard like movies i can i can quantify but tv is just such a traversing experience like i i i seem to be in the minority i really like netflix the punisher i i thought it was exactly the type of tale i would expect to see from a punisher story made so i, I really thought that was great but it seems like i'm in the minority all right. If you guys haven't watched Mr. Robot, though, I would highly encourage you to uh, to to see how you can find it in any way you can that you could binge because it's a really interesting story that poses as one thing at first, and then you realize it, it is something else entirely later. Right. I, I watched the first season and loved it. And just... well, and the second and third season, I don't know. I haven't I haven't looked at the third season, but the interesting thing was the second season. Uh, was entirely written and entirely directed by the showrunner Sam Esmail, uh, and he may have done that this season as well. So it's it, the other interesting thing about it is, from a creator standpoint, it, it's literally seeing somebody completely vetting whatever their vision is. So from a creativity standpoint, I, I really like that show as well. Um, and and you know honestly, it, like my TV viewing is so limited, it's it's just kind of hard to say. You know, I don't like this year. I would definitely say I don't think John Oliver did enough. If there's any time, his show probably could have been pushed to one hour or forty five minutes. This would have been it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I, you know, and I don't watch things like I don't watch The Crown. I don't watch. You don't watch the Netflix shows or not so much. Like I watched yeah. the first season of House of Cards. So. You know, no. for me, it's been all about the Defenders and the Punisher, and I thought oh. the Defenders was okay too. Um, it's on Netflix, right? Yeah. Um, and Punisher, nothing. I, I thought Punisher was great. Uh, I like I said, I thought it was a great story being told. But you know, really, the only thing that stands out for me, the only thing that's like definitely, uh, it, it like uh, the only show where I'll go, oh, it's eight o'clock now. That means the East Coast has already fully seen it. Is Mister Robot? Like it, that would be my okay. show of the year. Okay, that, that that was what I was asking. Uh, I put it out to you, uh, listeners out there. Let us know. Email us at noonerpodcast at gmail.com. And then we're, we want to know your best, um, your favorite movies and your favorite uh, TV shows and anything else favorite from the year. And then over the next uh, couple of weeks, we'll go through those. Uh, do you have a favorite uh, movie of the year? Wow. Uh it's definitely not going to be for uh, the last Jedi. So I think I'm comfortable making that statement now. A- and I would say that so far for rewatchability and for my appreciation for something new, I would definitely have to say that it is God, so sad because you want me to say something meaningful, but it's amazing. No. It's, it's a, it's a Spider-Man homecoming. It was a great movie. It was an it awesome really movie. was. It was extremely enjoyable. And I, you know, I just, I haven't seen anything I have a three-year-old. That's the major problem. So my wife yeah. and I don't go to the movies a lot. That's that's why I asked you about TV. So really, I'm yeah. I'm genuinely like sci-fi and action-oriented when I do go to the movies. So and, and things like hidden figures, I tend to watch at home. I tend to enjoy those movies at home. Right. So so really, like for me, the my best movie so far this year is definitely been Amazing Spider or uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. After that, it would be Guardians of the Galaxy two. Um, and that's probably uh, about it. Those are the only ones I would definitely rant and rave about, but they're also the only ones I've seen. So you didn't see wonder woman. Oh, I saw, I did see wonder woman, but I, it definitely wasn't my best. It, it ah, wasn't, I, I think it is definitely the best, uh, DC, DC. superheroes movie of the year. Right. 
of the year you mean of maybe so far um since superman one yeah because you know justice league was just kind of a. it was how did how did i envision this the way i i i, I justified it to myself is that like Justice League was the, um, it's like the flea market version of, of an Avengers movie. It, it has enough, it has enough to qualify as a, as a tolerable movie, mm. <laughs> but it was like just enough. You can definitely tell that it's been pieced together in pieces by two different people at certain oh, points. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. So <clears throat> they, they, uh, swapped out directors, uh, Joss Whedon in the, in coming in. So it, yeah. so yeah, it, uh, I don't know. It, it was just enough to carry itself to be uh, logical, but it wasn't, uh, fantastic. So, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I'm, that's what I'm worried about, about infinity wars, but uh, I, you know, after what we saw with civil war, I, I don't really have fear uh, of what they're going to do in this movie. Other than I think the overall concept, I think, like you said, it's kind of hard to get your head around the whole infinity gems thing. And, and it's an even loftier goal to get audiences to buy into what will happen once all of the gems are in this glove, you know, it's like, and, and why does that happen? Well, because magic, whatever. So it's, it's, it's really hard to get audiences to bite off on that. So yeah, I have no well, idea what they're going to do. It'll be fun to find out. Well, I will say this is an amazing year for television um, between Star Trek Discovery and all the Netflix shows and um, and just uh, just great. Uh, Westworld was really interesting. And, oh, yeah. Why didn't I? For, it's been such a long year. I know. I know. And like, there's just so much cool stuff out there. All the I mean, and frankly, the CW Marvel stuff has been really cool um, that um I'm sorry, CW uh, DC stuff. Um, yeah, their crossover this year finally was a true crossover that extended across all episodes, and it was really well balanced out. Uh, apparently, those are such a pain in the ass because, like, between writing it and scheduling everybody, it's like. Well, and I was I was spending this time watching it, doing that. I was like looking at oh, okay, so they waylaid the guy who played Cisco because he wasn't available for the next episode and or he yeah. had to be over here shooting on this one so you can see that they divide certain people up or take them out of play and you're like hey <laughs> yeah no and it really is and you know you have them for a day or two you know like and you just have to cram everything in there and then just writing it and just being like but you know i'm, I'm just imagining like oh but i i you know, we were doing so well with this and now you want me to bring in this bullshit, you know. Well, especially but. when you have uh like every one of these shows, you know, there's 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 one green arrow on arrow. There is one flash on the flash. Legends, so that's a fun b whole bunch of people. So yeah, you could scatter them around. But then you got Supergirl. So it's like when are you going to how are they going to effectively shoot these things because you have to take Supergirl out of Supergirl to be able to shoot over here. So she can't right. do her main job. So you know, I can, exactly. it's a phenomenal pain in the ass. And, and you know, they don't, I don't know why they feel obligated to do it every year, but they definitely, it helps the Berlanti franchise. This like, was the year that they did it right. Because in, oh, okay. in, 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 yeah, then you, you watched more shows than you would have. You watched yeah. more legends of tomorrow than you might, might've uh, Tyson said that his favorite films tend to be a little dark. That's great. Like we want interesting like basically 
this best of thing is not so that people can be like it's a cheering section. It's so that people can go back and and look at things that they might have missed. So that's what we're looking for in the best of. Email those in to us, or next week when we're live, you can also tweet live. Um, Will, thank you so much for chiming in, just jumping in, just head first, and just coming in with so much. Uh, knowledge and and insight um, at literally the last second. Oh, it's, it's, as long as I'm available, it's always my pleasure, Marty. I, I just only hope that uh, my voice, uh, my cadences, and my my verbal foibles haven't been enough to uh, irritate and annoy the audience. Or put them oh, sorry, to sleep. What? Nothing. I was oh, just okay. over pontificating again. Don't mind um, me. Oh, and um, oh, shit. Hold on just a second. Um, We'll see if this. Were you able to hear from my when my computer was making noises? Then, um, no, no, people won't hear this or that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then um, I'll send you the music cues. But those of you who are listening live, just sing it to yourself. Sing, pimp that fuck, pimp that fuck, um, and do that for sixty-four seconds, and then go ding, ding, ding. This has been a Smodcast Internet Radio Network broadcast yeah because we're not going to play it so in the interim do do that and and we will see you oh sorry i I messed it up you want to do it like that you want to do broken up you will see you okay and we'll see see you you next this is the worst see you fucking next tuesday uh will you, it's been so much fun. We will do this again and again. Um, and thank you guys for listening. And don't forget to email us. All right. Bye. If that fuck. 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 has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com.